I'm not a preacher, and I'm not drunk. I'm just a politician. Everybody, come out of your houses. Clarence Hillian is going to make you a super human being. All right. Welcome, welcome. This is episode 24 of... Wow. I wonder what the 24th anniversary is. Next week will be the Golden Shower. So oh I don't know God. what kind of uh, celebration we have. Yeah, uh, That's uh, got to be a special cinema. show. Yo, it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it will be. I promise. Uh, so, But not as special as tonight. Uh, I am Mike McPadden. I'm the author of two books uh, relevant to this podcast, Teen Movie Hell and Heavy Metal Movies. From Los Angeles, my co-host is Aaron Lee, writer and producer of TV shows like Superstore and Family Guy, where I worked with this guy, who's our guest tonight. Guest, also from Los Angeles, I'm assuming. Uh, Please introduce yourself. I, I live in Los Angeles. My name is David Goodman, writer. I worked at Family Guy with Aaron and some other people. Uh, also written a few books not in any way relevant to this podcast. <laughs> what books are those? I wrote uh, the, the autobiography of James T. Kirk. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, That's very relevant. To, That's uh, what we're into. And the autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard. Wow. And a, and a history book of the Federation. David, well, do you have good time. Shatner stories? I don't. I don't know that I've. I've heard if we've talked about your Shatner anecdotes. We've I, talked I, about I, mine only, on this show. The, <laughs> I, I really don't have great ones. Um, I uh, I've spent a lot of time with him, but I, I don't know that I have great like just incredible Shatner anecdotes. The, the, I, and I'm just like honestly, I'm just. I'm so in love with the man that I I'm, I'm even hesitant <laughs> to publicly uh, criticize yeah. him, and the, the, you know, so so I don't know that I do. I I spent a fair amount of time with him, and yet he read excerpts from my book on stage at Comic Con, and that was, um, you know, a, a great moment for me. Uh, but just nerd, it's just nerding. I'm I'm just a nerd. I mean, I can't believe this guy's reading my book. I was also like he was eighty five. And we look the same age, you know. Not, you know, he's 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 in very good shape. I'm like, Nick, and and sort of verbally sparring with me, making fun of my book, and and I'm like taking it, you know. But, so so, do you think it's cool that he screamed at me and called me an idiot, or are you? Uh, yeah, 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 totally. Okay, no, yeah, okay, good, good. Okay, all right. I just wanted to make sure you weren't so in love with him that you. Know, no, no. I'm yeah. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, Aaron's daughter had a very hilarious crush on him also. Oh, yeah, because of a shirtless right? workout scene on the Enterprise. In, oh, uh, I didn't know that. In the original that's series, so yeah. That's, yeah. So I, your daughter oh. liked that you were showing her that episode? and it, 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 that, That's when it came up, that she had a crush on William Shatner. I think she saw like, Sula with the uh, sword. Oh, with the sword running around <laughs> that's, shirtless. That also, would be also amazing. Um, <laughs> 
but I'm also uh, currently pre- I'm also currently president of the Writers Guild of America West. But I don't think this podcast is. We are going to talk either, so. in detail about that in a moment. But I want to just say one of <laughs> this is one of my favorite kid stories ever. Is that Aaron's daughter made a card for her for him to give to William Shatner because he knew that she knew that they had worked together. Uh-huh. I believe it said, "I love you, Will Shot." <laughs> That's right. That was also when she was really into Bing Crosby. She was around four or five years old, and she wanted to hunt down God and bring wow. Bing Crosby back from the dead. Wow! <laughs> because my wife, explaining death to the kids, said, "You go back to God." So she said, "I want to find God and get Bing Crosby." Wow! Did, She's did a she know that Bing? The irony is, if she succeeded, and then she found out that <laughs> Bing Crosby beat kids, he would have beaten her. Just up. His own yes, kids. they would have beat. Like he just, didn't he beat his kids? No, no, he beat thing? all children. All children. Any child he ran into, he beat. It I was not just his he own only kids. beat Gary Crosby, who he called Satchel Ass. <laughs> there was. <laughs> I remember an old sketch on SNL about yeah. him taking off his belt. It was and... the Crosby show. Yeah, that was really <laughs> fun. Show, right. <laughs> That's right. So uh, in your, I want to discuss the uh, Writers Guild, of which I am not a member. Oh. But every five years, I get a $200 check from the Guild because I wrote in 1995 a motion picture called Animal Instincts 3, The Seductress which apparently is very popular in the Philippines. And 10 years ago, I got a call from somebody who said, is this uh, Mike McPadden? And I said, yeah. And she said, we've been looking all over for you. And she said, did you write this movie? I said, yes, I am. Here's my information. And I got a $200 check. And then five years ago, out of the blue, I got another one. I mean, five years. Yeah, that's it was great. 10 and five years ago. Yeah, that's, I'm yeah, due. That's I'm due for another work. one. Yeah, that's foreign. That's foreign. Uh, foreign royalties, which are it, it is a tough thing because we have to distribute them even to people who aren't members, and it can be difficult to find them. But I'm very uh, happy they found you, Mike. The guild found me. I'm forever indebted. Yeah, that's I bought why two the pairs of boots. Ass. Two pairs a, of boots. There was a, there was a sale at the Doc Martin outlet near my office, and I and bought, you bought some boots. That's great. It was right before that's Christmas. Great. Yes. God, you got to go to the Philippines sometimes, Mike, and see if you're on a oh, be a god. There's probably a, yeah, Mike, Mike, there's probably a statue of you in the Philippines. That's right. <laughs> oh, not anymore. It probably got torn down recently by a mob. When Animal Instinct Four came out, they said, "Oh no, I killed the franchise." Make no mistake. <laughs> yeah, I also my favorite aspect of that is so. Um, I could barely like get through the first two, and the, the lead character's name in the first two is Joanna Cole. And it just f- because I wasn't paying attention, I changed the name to Joanna Coles for the third one. <laughs> wow. Wow. That, that's amazing. I wonder if that affected the, the, the creator's money because you changed the character. Oh, I don't yeah. know. They you sw- well, I'll tell you what. They, they switched um, from Shannon Worry to Wendy Schumacher. Two great actors. In the role. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two people who were, that was, they were both at the top of their game in that franchise. I think. Please, we all were. So was I, obviously. This, yeah. and Mike, this is what I was saying to you, and David is either too modest or too afraid of getting sued to say this, but, but the Writers Guild completely kicks ass, yeah. and David is the absolute Jimmy Hoffa 
boss <laughs> motherfucker of all time of the Writers Guild who changed the face of Hollywood. And who so this actually is the last time this <laughs> yes. podcast is the last time well, anybody's going to see me. What I'm trying to say, David, right. is yeah. you will disappear. Yeah. <laughs> you will disappear right after this. I paint podcast. houses. It's like <laughs> that's well, why we're here. We we know where David Goodman was right up until six oh five on. Uh, he was doing this podcast. After that, nobody saw him. David uh, Goodman has you, has absolutely seriously changed the entire face of Hollywood and the relationship of writers and agencies and uh, yeah and completely kicks ass. Thank you. Aaron. Yeah, but and, I'd rather and, talk about the, the Lone Ranger. We're, we're gonna get there. Oh yeah, we're talking about the legend of the Lone Ranger tonight. Eventually, <laughs> at some point, eventually. which so, I no, think was your a... idea, right? You recommended it, David, didn't you? Say yeah, like, there, I should... well, I recommended two movies. As the other movie that you you have to look at. Because it's okay. an amazing thing. Is this movie called The Meanest Men in the West? You know about this movie, Mike? No, no. I'm but Aaron just give gave you a little, me a little clip. To fill me in, please. A little primer on that movie. That movie, I have. I have, I am the only one who understands where that movie came from. It is essentially two episodes of a TV show edited together to make a movie with with a with a a, a, a prologue filmed with different actors to try to unite this thing and the movie is terrible and i have a list of anecdotes so that's that if you ever want okay. me back just tell yeah, me you yeah want well to we want you that. back yeah. now in fact we want to just switch <laughs> gears and talk about that no it's an amazing aaron, it's aaron kind of told me that and i was fascinated by it yeah it's a fascinating story so i mean that is and, and that's when you come back we'll talk about that whole genre of TV episodes turned yes. into movies. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Man from Uncle did that. They would just slam them together and, and send them overseas. Awesome. Yeah. And there are those cool painted posters you'll see of those Man from Uncle movies. Yeah. yeah you know. Yeah. And then there was the Battlestar Galactica right. movie that sent my father into a rage. I've told you that story, right, Mike? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to see it. Well, he tell, was like, tell the it's world. a fucking ripoff. It's a Mission, ripoff. Mission Galactica, the Cylon Attack. Is that movie? <laughs> was no, that no, that no. Movie? It was just called Battlestar Galactica. In well, there were two. There were two, though. That played theaters. So there was the yeah yeah the first wow. movie was the pilot, which right. they released That's in right. sense around right. the summer before the show premiered. After the show was canceled, they edited three episodes together. Oh god! And and released it as a feature: Mission Galactica, The Cylon Attack. Wow! And this movie was just tremendously awful because it's wow. two episodes jammed together and just repeating effect shots and right and i think it had a limited run in the u.s i'm not actually sure i know it was foreign that they showed in foreign right. theaters but uh but that and then and then i think buck rogers in the 25th century that I, had I, to saw that. TV, I, I saw so, that in the theater yeah oh man did yeah. that suck God, yeah, that was, was the so pilot. Your, your dad lost it over the pilot of Battlestar Galactica. Yes, Aaron? for some reason, when it was playing in Jamestown, New York, I was like, "Hey, this looks great. We got to see this." And he flipped out. He was like, "It's a fucking ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a TV show. They're charging you for it." But then I was like, "Hey, Dad, how about Buck Rogers?" Yeah, that looks good. <laughs> Took me to it. I don't know. He was a little inconsistent. <laughs> There's a opening. The opening credit sequence of the Buck Rogers movie, which didn't air on television, right? It had hardcore porn in it. I remember <laughs> that. It's it almost that. It's the, is it? It's all the. It's the female actresses yes. lying sexy. on this yeah. lighted floor Whoa. while they sing the song, the Buck Rogers song, which has lyrics. Wow. Which was what the bum, will I bum, see? Bum. Oh, you know it, Mike. Will I do? That's the only part I remember because <laughs> I was agape at the actresses. Yeah, yeah, they were like on. They were like rolling in like space furs and stuff. Yeah. 
Now, now wait. Now, while now quickly, while Mike is singing a theme song, this yeah. is a natural transition. Okay, perfect. He told me earlier today, David, <laughs> he knows the words to the theme song of a television show you oh. wrote on, Babes, starring Wendy Jo Sperber. You, you might. You want to sing it together? <laughs> yeah. Well, I only know a little bit, and I didn't want to look it up because I wanted to just. Oh, the it was ground just, like, just shook, and everywhere and there you I look. look all I see is all babes. you see. All oh, you see. oh, okay. There you go. Oh, all you see, I know all you see is babes. Babes. But it was like babes. I said the ground just shook. Everywhere oh, you look. You look. All well, these women were, were zoftig. The were ground just women. shook was an actual line because yeah, they were yeah, larger yeah. ladies. Just shook yeah. Unbelievable. Like, you know, boom, boom, boom. Here come the, here come the babes. Yeah. It was wow. not. You know, yeah. Well, that that's so. Wait, you knew? Did you look up my credits? Is that how Babes came up? No, Aaron mentioned it to me. I mean, I did look oh. up your credits, yeah. And and that's one I, of my favorite credits. I <laughs> did look up that, yeah. And I mean, it aired after The Simpsons, as I recall. Right? It's it's a classic. It's a classic example of that. The time slot makes no difference at all. We were, <laughs> right. we were, we were after The Simpsons. Um, I can't remember what was on at nine o'clock, but it was also something. Oh, it was X Files. So it was between wow. The Simpsons and X Files, sandwiched in between. I think the, <laughs> the theory of, of time slots is well, they're watching they're watching The Simpsons, and then they leave the TV on, they go to the refrigerator, and then it's nine o'clock, and and you've got the rating, right. you've got the rating for that eight thirty nine o'clock, and it just didn't actually happen. The other problem that we had. Was I was a historian. I was a very low-level writer. So you can see I'm not going to take too much responsibility for this show. And they, um, the problem was, before it aired, the show was all fat jokes. It was just wall-to-wall fat jokes. And then before the show aired, uh, some uh, organizations that, you know, monitor that kind of thing, came out against the show before it aired so then we got the network note cut all the fat jokes <laughs> literally that was the note and it's like you cut got the three fat. large women and that was the basis of the show the comedy basis of the show a show you couldn't do now anyway so probably for the best um, but uh, so now we're writing you know shows about you know them taking in a, a homeless man and remaking him and making him a, uh, you know, played by William Wyndham. Or, and there's a great Spy Magazine article. You guys friends with Spy Magazine? You guys familiar with Spy sure. Magazine? Yes, yes, of course. So there's a great Spy Magazine article where they they did a, a con on all these TV shows and they called like Full House and said that Marlon Brando was a fan and wanted to do an episode. <laughs> it's a great article. You got to find it. Yeah. And then they they did they called Star Trek: The Next Generation and said Kurosawa wanted to direct an episode, and there was a person essentially pretending to be this agent at, from ICM. Like they and we got the call and said that William Hurt wanted to do an episode of Babes <laughs> that he was this fan, and it was just so weird. And you see the showrunners like the William Hurt altered states William Hurt like and and the story they broke you know the, the showrunner starts to buy oh, it no. in, in the article the story they had broken that was a was well we were doing already the story that Bill could fit in great where Bill he's already calling Bill Bill could fit in great where he's a homeless man that the babes take in and remake <laughs> and, <laughs> that's in the article it's such a great article 
Uh, they're not complete. The Spy Magazine article is not completely honest because basically they they then called us later and said this is an old agent who had dementia. They lied. You know, they made up this oh, whole wow. thing, yeah. which is not in the article. Uh, which wow. is to me pretty pretty dark. Uh, yeah. that, <laughs> they always seem and, like creeps. Those three <laughs> jerk offs with their suspenders and everything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but they did something unique. I'll give them that. They did. They did. Oh God! If only if only it had happened. If only William Hurt and God and Wind and Man. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, would have made TV turns history. Out, turns out he was a fan. Uh, we didn't know. Yeah, that. that's, that's the twist. Yeah, David, great. do you know Mark Altman by any chance? Very well, good friend of mine. All uh, right. Mark's terrific. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're hoping I've to get on him his, uh, uh, on seventy movies we saw in the seventies. Oh, are uh, you? Are you? Got, oh, all right. I didn't know that. Well, That's, no, yeah. but uh, I believe uh, my co-host on that show and our audio engineer Ben Reiser went to school with him. Oh, is that right? Oh, yes, and I once talked to his mother because uh, he was editing. Some science fiction magazines at Flint when I was while I was there, and for whatever reason they sent her through to my phone, and like she recognized my <laughs> accent and was like, "Are you from Brooklyn?" I was like, "Yeah, where <laughs> That's are you hilarious. from?" Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, she was, I, she was met, very sweet. Yeah, I'd been reading Mark for years, like reading his, and then during right. the writer strike in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, I'm on the picket line, and and I, I recognized him, and he, he was like. I'm saying, are you Mark Altman? Because like, I was like, I was like this giant fan of Mark Altman. He had these magazines, and I don't think he he still can't quite process it. Uh, but I I really was a fan of his work, and still am. I mean, he's a great guy. Yeah, terrific dude. Even though I don't know him, I, I love everything he's done. So oh, so you just know his mother? Yeah, I just know. Who, who I assume it's Mrs. Altman. Yeah. Can we book her? Can we get her on the podcast? I think you Is get. Yeah, you could get Mrs. Yeah. Altman on here. I think. Yeah. We could reunite on on this show. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Shall we uh, dive, dive into, into the, the film? Legend? <laughs> I, the legend. I'm so curious, like David, what made you recommend Legend? Like, I want to know your your personal connection. You know, it's a weird thing. It's this movie. First of all, you know, my first exposure to it was the one sheet, which, if you see it, is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, go look up the one sheet of it's one. It's a great movie poster. And and I was a Lone Ranger fan as a kid who, you know, who wasn't, who was our age, was on every day. <laughs> How right. could you not be? It was the only thing close to a superhero show, except for Batman. I mean, it's a kind of mask, you know. Uh, and, and you know, I hooked in immediately to what they were trying to sell, which is, okay, you remember Superman, the movie? <laughs> we're doing that with the Lone Ranger. And I was like, I, I think that that was there. That was absolutely what the producers. Um, so because it's late 70s, I'm a nerd teenager. And and they started telling you about this. You know, once Superman came out, there was this sort of flood of, OK, now we're going to dig up all these other things and make movies like that. And <clears throat> I don't know, I just hooked into the idea of the mask guy and the and I you know, and I wasn't a child. I mean, I was a, I was a freshman in college when this thing came out. So it was like, I, I'm not like this cute little kid, right. cute little nerd kid who's misunderstood. I'm a, a nerd adult who, you know, has been Should abandoned know by society. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who had no... <laughs> I mean, I remember I went to see the movie. It was, it came out, I looked, I just looked this up, it came out in May and then it's, oh, that made sense, makes sense. That means that I saw it sometime in the summer when I was working... Uh, as a 
as a bellhop in a in a, wow. in a hotel in New Rochelle, New York, where I grew up, and it was probably in the local theaters for a couple of weeks and then was gone, and I didn't rush to see it. And on its last legs of its run, whatever that was, sometime in the summer, I, I went to see it in Times Square. Mm -hmm. And this was the period, which you, I'm sure you, you both have some recollection of, when multiplexes, a lot of multiplexes, all they were were chopped up giant theaters. Right. That that yes. they that in the city anyway that that and in some suburban places too where they have these big movie houses and the big movie houses weren't a thing anymore and they were making multiplexes but all they would do is take a, a, a large theater and chop it up into four really crappy small theaters and I think I was in this I was in a you know twenty seat theater and the you know this is the last place they're showing this movie I I, I, I bet the, it was the Criterion. In the one because they had those little tiny, they had six theaters, they had two big in ones Times up Square? top, yeah, in the middle of Times Square, yeah, and then they had four shitty theaters in the basement. I think it might have been, I think yeah. it might have been the Criterion. And, um, you know, I, I, this guy tried to mug me on as I'm buying my ticket, you know, yeah, it's broad daylight, it's broad daylight, it's not well, even, those were the times, yeah, <laughs> it's not even, um, yeah. and uh, I'm, I have this bag, you know, it's like this. It's a pouch, you know, like it's right. not a backpack, it's a pouch. And I think right. I probably sewed a Star Trek insignia on the pouch. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I, it's the package is clearly labeled uh, of who I am. And I go see this movie, and, and it's fucking awful. I mean, yeah. I was so angry. Whoa, whoa, no spoilers movie. here now. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> not, I'm well, let's... <laughs> <laughs> but there was just, you know, it was nerd thing. It was probably in Starlog, and there was a. A completist thing, which I imagine you guys are, are familiar with, which is like you want to see everything of the things you're interested of in. Of course, and yeah. Lone Ranger was it was not a common interest. I mean, again, I'm 20 years old. I don't know that there's. I'm not 20. I'm 18. But I mean, um, I think <laughs> I might as well be 20 because I wasn't that different at 20. I so <laughs> uh, you know this idea of the Lone Ranger movie and and that it looked that the one sheet. Is it's funny to think back before internet how important a one sheet was yeah. in terms of getting you excited about a movie. So yeah. you should describe it. The one sheet. Well, it's a great. It's a great picture. It's a painting. It's a painting. It's you know it's drawn. It's not a photograph, but it's photorealistic in that it's sort of the 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 head of the the face of the Lone Ranger. In, in shadow and he's holding a silver bullet and that's sort of all you see is his face a bit of the hat and the, him his gloved hand holding the silver bullet and the sort of glint off the bullet and it's it's great it's a it's a great poster um and it just it it sort of showed you how how studio marketing people are are tr truly talented people like that that's yeah. talent that that they took this piece of stinking shit movie and create this poster that's gorgeous and makes you think oh my god this looks so cool and uh, i'll say this though because i agree the poster is really stunning as a poster in the newspaper i thought it looked like dog shit it looked it's just oh, black with like yes, little, it didn't yeah. transfer very well. Yeah, to the yeah. But when you see the actual poster, it is it's stunning. And well, it's the same thing with the Star Star Wars is uh, first. There's like the two page ad in the New York Times. I remember for Star Wars, it's 
terrible looking in black and white. It's just awful. I mean, you know. But and, anyway. and and do you remember your eyes falling on the poster and then seeing the name Clinton Spillsbury? <laughs> And the emotions you felt then, <laughs> saying Clinton Spillsbury. I, I don't. Then I started reading stuff. I start. I definitely read stuff, but again, you don't have a lot to read. I think I read an interview with Michael Horse, uh, the guy oh, yeah. who plays Tano, yeah. and he was talking so seriously about you know Native American issues, and and I was a little worried that this movie was going to be too serious. Turns right. out there was nothing to worry about. No, no. <laughs> no. Seriously, yeah, they're yeah, they're it's, um, but I read you know whatever articles there was probably a People magazine article maybe or something. I read definitely right. stuff about it, but no, I I remember people making fun of the name Clinton Spillsbury. You didn't read the Interview magazine article with Andy Warhol, <laughs> did you? No, I didn't. I saw. Oh, oh, we have details to go in. Yeah, there. that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, David, Mike and I always come up with a thumbs up, thumbs yeah. down rating system for each ah. movie. And and if I, whenever I do it, it's a shit joke. It's just, it's turned into that. So, uh, I'm so, shocked, Aaron. I'm shocked. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know you're not used to me making off-color jokes. Uh, but, uh, I mean, Mike, I haven't done one in a while, so I was excited to get to awesome. write some this week. I have so two, I, so I'll go I, first. Go, go for it. Okay, and I, I was thematically thinking along these lines, because the movie okay. is so bad. Uh, Tonto or Turd Bowl? <laughs> That's good. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard. Clinton Spillsbury or Shittin' Smellberries? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, I have a Spillsbury one, too. I have, right. uh, I have one now. I just came up with one. All right. Do it. Let's hear it. No, no, no. Aaron, you go. Then okay, all right, okay, all right. Yeah, we'll Sorry. give you time. So you might come up with more. Yeah. Okay. I had Spillsbury or Spew's Gravy. And, and then the other one I have is William Tell Overture or Will I Smell Awful Turds. And awful is spelled O-F-F-A-L. So, ah, excellent. Awful. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's a double shit show. <clears throat> Uh, the only one I just thought of was high o silver or high low shit show. High <laughs> low shit show. <laughs> Mike, we always go with the guests. Let's we go, go with the guests. <laughs> let's go with high o silver or high low shit show. <laughs> so the movie is high low shit show, oh, and it's just yeah, low. yeah, yeah. It's high low shit show. Yeah. <laughs> I had never watched the entire thing before preparing for this episode. Yeah. Had you, Aaron? I don't know that I'd ever seen. You know, it's funny. I think the most I ever saw of this movie were the clips on Siskel and, Siskel uh, on, and Hebrew, sne yeah. on sneak previews. Yeah, and I never bothered to watch it on cable. I never watched it on VHS. Um, but I did go back and rewatch the sneak previews episode. Me too. Was yeah, it was, oh was boy, great. they yeah. hated it. Oh really? Man. I couldn't find it. That's, yeah, that it's on the IMDb. Link. It's on the oh, IMDb page. Yeah. Oh, all right, check it out. Yeah. And Mike, you saw fun. the dog of the week was one of our favorites, the fan. The fan. Which yeah. we've talked about on here. And the burning was Ebert's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so uh, I uh I really wanted to see this movie. I was twelve. But not because I was interested in the Lone Range or anything. Do you remember Marilyn Beck, the enter syndicated entertainment columnist? Yeah, sure. Do you remember? Sure. So she wrote a complete as Aaron and I call it, BFR Blind Fucking Rage article about <laughs> the violence 
on display in the legend of the Lone Ranger. It was like, really? how is this radio? Yeah. How is this radio PG? What have we come to? And I was like, all right, I, I got to go see this because this sounds great. Right. Thinking it's going to be Soldier Blue. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Instead, it was Soldier Blue, B L E W. Um, but I, I recall two similar uh, Marilyn Beck outrage screeds. One was over private lessons, which Aaron and I did the Blu-ray commentary for. Please get that from Shout Factory. I have a private. Oh, private lessons. I have a. I have a private. School oh, I'm for sorry. Girls. Private school. Oh my private god. School. I said private yeah. lessons. Private school. That's, I have that's a private the school for fix girls. that. Ben. I have a private school for girls anecdote. Whenever you want it, please. I'll lay it on me right now. Yeah. Private right, school so for girls. Stop the presses. So, yeah. so literally, this. So I, I used to have a writing partner. His name's Rick Cop. Uh, great guy. Great writer. And. Uh, we broke up amicably. I'm not, you know, and one year for his birthday, I was buying him his birthday presents, and and two of his, two of his favorite movies were Dress to Kill and Tootsie, and they had both recently just come out on Laserdisc. This is how long ago this is. Right. And I go to the Tower Records in Los Angeles to buy these two things, and I go to the, the 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 um, the cashier. And the cashier makes this comment about, oh, men dressing up as women. You like that kind of thing. And I didn't even make the connection between those two movies. Uh, and I'm looking at the cashier, and it's the, the guy who, it's the lead from Private School from Girls. It's the guy. Michael Zorick? Yeah, the guy who's wow. like the Belushi character. Who Baba Baba like, oh, yeah. That movie. Yes. Yeah. And it was like this weird like moment. He's saying that to me, and it's like he's making this joke like, oh, are you gay or whatever, or yeah. transvestite or whatever it is. And uh, <laughs> and then it's this guy who did it in a movie. It was a very Hollywood moment. Anyway. We got to get him on. We got to. We, yeah, I think I we can track down Michael And bring Zorro. David yeah. back to talk to him and tell him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Well, that. yeah. That's Michael Zorro. also... Remember when you stopped being an actor and were a cashier? <laughs> I have to say, I also have that laser disc that uh, a fan of my book sent me, and uh, I wish I could grab it right now, but uh, I don't know where it is. But it's here in the house. Right. So, um, Wait, you know, you Mike, saying, when you, when you're talking about Marilyn Beck, who yeah. d- who's the critic? I told you that David was obsessed with in New York growing up. That you Stuart said Klein. You, Stuart Klein. I'm yes, Stuart, Stuart Klein. Klein. Yeah. He didn't so, say it about this movie, but I love one of the things he said. It was about Raising Titanic. He, yeah. Lou Grade produced this movie, right? And he's and of Raising Titanic, he said produced by Sir Lou Grade or Low Grade. Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> My friend Phil Puccio and I, we would watch toward the end of high school. Taxi was on at eleven o'clock on Channel uh-huh. Five, and. We would watch it and always get there a little early to see the Stuart Klein review. Stuart Klein review. They we were amazing. try to predict his little stinger. And I remember when A Fine Mess came out, I predicted a fine mess. A mess indeed. I'm Stuart Klein. And I got it. I couldn't believe it. Like, it was impossible. <laughs> he said amazing. exactly that. <laughs> Do you remember the review for Wonton Tom, the dog that saved Hollywood? No, no. So, so he ends his reviews, as you say, this is Stuart Klein, right? That's how he yeah, ends his reviews? Right. Yeah. So this is the review for Wonton Tong. So now here's Stuart Klein with the review of Wonton Tong, the dog that saved Hollywood. And it cuts to Stuart Klein. He goes, Wonton Tong is a dog. This is Stuart Klein. Oh, there we go. That was the whole <laughs> review. And it's like one of these moments, like you're watching it and you can't believe it. And then the anchors are like cracking up. And right. it's like, yeah. and there's no tape of it anywhere. And it's no. like, 
this and this fucker could do whatever he wanted. And that right. was so great. I, I uh, okay, t- I'm gonna. You just triggered two memories within me. Joel Siegel reviewing uh, Roller Boogie in a gas mask because it stunk so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and Leonard Moulton on Entertainment Tonight reviewing Transylvania 6 5000. He played the song. So it's like, and he's just sitting there smiling. And then he goes, Transylvania 6 5000. And he goes, stinks. I'm Leonard Moulton. <laughs> You know, it's funny also, you remind me of another Stuart Klein thing. Another, for some reason, I really remember most of the Race of the Titanic review. Yeah. But I'm watching, so Gene Shalit, Gene Shalit's review of Race of the Titanic, somewhere in there, Gene Shalit says, the special effects are amazing. And then the next review I see is Stuart Klein who says, the special effects are awful. Like, (laughs) 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 My my weird raise the titanic story was i was i can't i wish i could remember what movie i was going to say it was with my friend we're outside the middletown uh sevenplex in uh middletown new jersey and this weird like uh very professorial guy with a pipe comes walking by us and he's talking to his friend he just goes i don't know much about actually raising the titanic I was like, well, we know what he's going to say. He's like announcing it. He's going to get an education. That's It stuck with me. Oh, that's funny. You were telling a story about private schools, and I cut you at private school. Do you remember where you were? Oh, about, Marilyn Beck had a complete freak oh, out right. about that. Right. About oh, the about nudity and sex aimed yeah. at teenagers. Right. And then the next one was uh, I the Jury with Armand Asante. Oh, yeah. Which is fucking awesome. And she's right. It's insane. It's crazy violent. It's crazy, like, ugly sexuality. It's really cool. We must cover that I, film at some point. Yeah. I, I bet you I bet you with Legend of the Lone Ranger, I bet you, first of all, she was going, okay, it's going to be a kid's movie. And, and there's only one really somewhat yeah. surprising violent moment, and it's right off the bat, and it's when yeah. the Lone Ranger's mother gets shot point blank in the face. <laughs> yeah, so right. I would guess that that happened and she pulled the whole, Marilyn Beck out. was out. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. yes, yeah. I, I would guess that. But I will say, when the movie aired later on ABC, whenever that was, my younger brother and his friends from across the street were watching it, and my father, who was prone to irrational outbursts like this, goes, get this off. It's too violent. Get it off. <laughs> he, he made them turn it off. And then the kids across the street made fun of my father to like to us. And I was like, you're right, dude. I, I, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> That's all I could say. Yeah, this, what what else is in there other than that moment? I don't. I mean, there's well, when they get shot in the canyon. And... When they get shot in the canyon, they're pretty they're pretty bloodied up. Although remarkably, so. remarkably, I mean, I, I, I definitely count him getting shot twice. But it, when Tonto right. fixes him up, I think there's only one bullet when he's looking pretty clean. But, but yeah. the blood, there is a lot of bloody shooting in that too. But uh, so the other thing watching this now is I can't believe like how familiar I am with the Lone Ranger origin story <laughs> going into this because I was thinking I had. Those tall, like, foot-high Lone Ranger figures from the mid-70s. By, by Gabriel, I believe. Yeah, yeah. They were awesome with the Carson City playset and everything. Yes, yeah, they were they were good uh, action figures. And they came with a comic book that told the story. And then my friend down the block had uh, a, a record, like an album that had the right. origin of the Lone Ranger. It was probably old radio shows. Yeah. And then, like, last week, or maybe out of nowhere, Howard Stern... 
was talking about watching the pilot episode of the lone ranger and he retold it very hilariously so like i've had this story mm-hmm. just coming my way from the moment and, you uh suggested this david and it's not even that good an origin story it's not even <laughs> no it's no. true well the other thing about the lone ranger that i was that as a as a, is it's almost like he's like a masked uh wrestler in the sense that if he took off the mask it's not like anybody would recognize him. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. like, like it's not like yeah. Bruce Wayne. Like, right. Batman takes off his mask. Everybody knows who this is. Oh, this is the famous public figure. It's yeah. millionaire Bruce Wayne. <laughs> right. It's, you know, even at the end of this movie, when the president is saying, you know, keep right. your, who are you? Keep your anonymity. If he took off yeah. the mask, the, the, you know, if he would have said, I still don't know who you are. <laughs> in fact, know. they're going to know some guy in a mask is out there. So they're going to recognize, oh, that's yeah, the masked man. That's the thing, true. And the radio show is always funny that way, too. They had to keep reminding you. It's a radio show. They have to keep right. reminding you he's in a mask. What was this mask guy? What's this, you know? Right. Uh, I'm wearing well, a mask, mask right now. I've listened yeah. to that radio show because uh, that's another shared obsession with me and Aaron is old-time radio. Old-time radio. I love old-time radio. It, it goes real. It's very fast-paced. Yes. The old, the Lone Ranger. And, uh, and he's always called it's, people hombre. He's like, okay, hombre. I like that little well, touch also, of Spanish. I was also impressed, like, the amount of effort they put into, you know, while they're talking, while getting on their horses. Like, I was listening to yeah. one recently, just in preparation of this, I hadn't listened in a while. I was like, yeah, we're going to have to get up, uh, y'all, because all sit down. And, like, <laughs> like, that's, you know, they're, like, they're selling it. They're selling yeah. this thing, you know. You know but did you ever listen to Gunsmoke? The radio show? I know William Conrad doing. Uh, oh yeah, my God. but it's and it's a masterpiece. But it is the heaviest, darkest fucking thing you could ever imagine. You know, William Conrad. Uh, there were two Lone Ranger cartoons, right? And this is that deep dive I'm going to get. And there was another. There was one around the 1980 or so, near the time of the movie, right? And William Conrad did the voice of the Lone Ranger, but he didn't want to be credited. Right. He wanted to do it, but he didn't want to be credited. So the credit is like, uh, I don't, whatever the word Conrad is spelled backwards. <laughs> it's well, J, he was, he, wow. J period Daruco or whatever, whatever yeah. Conrad is. Wow. Daruco, whatever. I can't <laughs> picture what Conrad he is. He wanted backwards. to stay anonymous, like uh, Spillsbury uh, ended up being. Uh, yeah. uh, Darnock. Darnock. Yeah. Wow, J. Darnock. Uh, but, but, and, but if you listen to the cartoon, it's so obviously William Conrad at, you right. know, 60. You know. So. Here's here's a little a tangent when you're talking about those Gabriel toys because I looked those up you know and fell down yeah. this rabbit hole of the the, the Gabriel toy I, that blew my mind was the stunt man have you seen I know, that I never had it I it's love a that Hal, commercial it's an action figure Hal Needham. of Hal yeah. Needham from like 1977 it's and it comes awesome. with a, and it comes with an old west stunt set I remember set. that oh god I remember that yeah. it's amazing and you can it has like a little spring you can right. fling him I through totally the wall I forgot about yeah. that oh, you can throw him down the bar it was awesome if yeah, you I go never on YouTube it. if you go on YouTube there's a great like five minute commercial for it hosted by Dick Van Dyke that is phenomenal. oh right I remember <laughs> yeah. that I remember that yeah 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 it's great 
<laughs> this Man. is one of my favorite type of episodes, Mike, where we're desperate to talk about anything other than <laughs> oh, this shitty movie. So like, I have so I many notes anything. around the movie. <laughs> I have a lot to say about this movie, so so whatever you guys. Let's want to get jump into in, it. No, let's get into it. <laughs> well, no, no, no. We don't, we can't get there. We're still setting the table. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. For this so fine I, meal, I, I for just got fine. to the part of my my notes that says general notes. I just got there. <laughs> okay, so we should talk about the Clayton Moore lawsuit that preceded yeah. oh, this, absolutely. Which, which I really do remember as a kid. I remember vividly. Totally. Yeah, it was disturbing and upsetting well, somehow. Oh, it was like <laughs> this old man is insane. He's walking around he in sunglasses. The, he had the giant wrap around sunglasses. Yeah, it was hilarious. on the news. It was. On Totally, yes. it's a huge story. Yeah, I mean, it was on the news. Like was, yes, it wasn't like it was in the newspaper. It was on no. the news. It was like breaking into Laverne and Shirley, breaking <laughs> news, <laughs> like and him walking around with those old with man those sunglasses, terrible yeah, sunglasses. And terrible. it was the summertime. I remember being in New Jersey at my grandmother's house. And like cracking up over the Lone Ranger, old Lone Ranger with the wraparound sunglasses on. Now, is it I, true? There's some detail. It might be on Wikipedia or something that in the courtroom he wore the mask to the courtroom, and when he lost, the judge made him take it off. No, that's like, that's in there actually. It's in what this a book. dick move. I have this yeah. book, which I I I, I uh, who was that masked man? And that ha- and that's that. Cool. Who was that masked man by? David Russell. This is the revised edition that includes a chapter on the legend. Oh, of the that's Lord fantastic! Yeah. yeah, it's a terrible book. It's not good, but <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's literally been on my shelf since 1983, and I've never read it till today. So that's, wow. That's the... <laughs> so or uh, yesterday, so... I read it yesterday. I said, oh, I have this book. I love. But so we should say. Clayton Moore was the first TV Lone Ranger. Uh, he then left for a year, which is weird. And then John Hart took over. Well, the rumor and John was Hart is that, in the movie. The rumor as, was that he he they didn't want to pay him. That he he demanded uh, some kind of salary increase or something. Right. I heard it was and like that, a tie-in with the merchandise. There's all, nobody really knows this. What I gathered, but it was something like that. But. So John Hart, he was there for one year. He did fifty-four episodes. <laughs> but then, so John Hart is in the Legend of the Lone Ranger. He's old Uncle Lucas who gets uh, lynched by the Cavendish mob. Uh, but then John Hart also played the Lone Ranger on in The Finks, which is an absolute abomination. Yeah, I can't believe we haven't covered yet. Um, a 1981 episode of The Greatest American Hero which I remember called uh, My Heroes Have Always Been Cowboys. But he's wearing yeah. a white mask in that, isn't he? Oh, no, no, I no, don't no, know. Not. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Wow. You know what it is? I don't that. There's yeah. an episode of Highway to Heaven, and I think Clayton Moore's in that, and wow. he's wearing a white white mask. Well, so. this is John Hart. This isn't even Clayton right. Moore. Sorry. I'm, yeah. And then he was on a 1982 episode of Happy Days, which is way late in the Happy Days cycle, that was titled... Hiyo Fonzie away. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's that kind of thing they probably either couldn't get Clayton Moore or didn't want to, and so they cre- create this Happy Days episode where Fonzie's really into the Lone Ranger, but the wrong one, but they don't acknowledge it. It's right, like, right. It's like you know, <laughs> they're just gonna you know pretend every it's yeah. John Hart is the one everybody right. knows. So um, we want to talk a bit about director William Fraker. 
he had only made two previous movies, Monty Walsh in 1970, Reflection of Fear in 72, but quite the A-list cinematographer with uh, Rosemary's Baby, Bullet, Looking for Mr. Goodbar, Heaven Can Wait, and an Aaron Lee favorite, War Games. <laughs> yes. oh, love we were just talking movie. about war games the other day. <laughs> the, uh, Monty Walsh one of the screenwriters is David Goodman oh how about that how about that no relation and this is why this is uh, my story of why movie credits do not matter to the general public I saw Logan's Run three times in the theater once with my father once with my mother once by myself none of us noticed that the writer's name was David Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> so giant. Another, if you look at the credit of that, it's giant. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Another so that that's hilarious. <laughs> but another weird name coincidence. What if is it's, that, uh, it's he's actually credited in that movie as fuck you, David Goodman. So it's even weirder that your family didn't yeah, notice. Right. It's even more bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, Juan and Clay, who plays uh, Amy Stryker, the love interest of the Lone Ranger, she was in War Games playing a character named Pat Healy, who was our oh, guest last week. God. <laughs> You're just making things up now. That's just... <laughs> Dude, I got so into researching this. I can't tell. She died well, did you... very young. Yeah. Yeah. And, and did you see... Too. Did you see that a couple of the writers created Charlie's Angels of, yeah. the, of this film? Ivan yeah. Goff and Ben Roberts, yeah. 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 Ever meet those guys? If you guys? watch the pilot of Charlie's Angels, it's a very, it's a slightly different show. It's much more, it takes itself much more seriously than the, the show eventually. Wow. So. Like Ivan the legend and ben of the Lone Ranger. may not have been happy with how they were, uh, how their creation was, I don't know. <laughs> Turned into jiggle television. They also wrote a great old movie, uh, Captain Horatio Hornblower, with uh, Gregory Peck. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. How about that? Nice. So, yeah. uh, and then I just want to say, Fraker, as a DP on uh, some movies, more in keeping with this podcast, The President's Analyst. Oh, Which nice. is a great one. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a great movie. Paint yeah. Your Wagon. Uh, Day of the Dolphin, a movie I love. Coonskin, the Ralph Bakshi movie. Uh, Exorcist 2. The Hollywood Nights, which is the movie left out of teen movie hell. I wrote oh. that review, obviously, because it's it's necessary, and I forgot to upload it to the publisher, and we didn't <laughs> catch it until the book came out. <laughs> and uh, Hey Good Looking, the... Bakshi movie, another one, and The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, which is a film I oh, wow. dearly love. Yeah, that's a good one. I think I watched that with you, Mike. Oh, yes. LA. Oh, yes, yeah. I remember when we were roommates together. Probably yes, more and, than once, even. Oh, yes. No, I was very into it. And uh, last year at the Music Box here in Chicago, uh, there was a Dolly Parton Film Festival, and uh, there was a Dolly Parton Lookalike Contest, and the winner was Rachel McPadden, who's oh. married to me. Yes. That's great. Yes. Well, you know, I, I worked with, that brings it back to Babes. Dolly Parton was the produ executive producer of Babes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, no it's a great, uh, um, and so they were looking for a, uh, you know, looking for ways to boost the audience. So Dolly agreed if, if, if there was the, if there was the, um, right story dolly would guest star on an episode <laughs> of babes so my partner actually at the time came up with this idea which was very silly and fun and and we pitched it to the showrunner and um he said all right well one of you guys has got to pitch it to sandy gallon who was dolly parton's manager 
and uh, and so I got elected to go pitch this. I mean, it's stupid idea to, to <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was fun at the time. Looking back, it's not. And I go and I go <laughs> in this green room on tape night. All right, David, you they take me into pitch to this woman who works for Sandy takes me in to pitch to him and he's in all in black with gold chains and <laughs> I pitch this story and uh, he doesn't laugh any way through <laughs> at it at this thing with all the jokes I'm, I'm, I'm like sweating I'm uh, here I am young I'm like 25 I mean I'm like not old and I'm like <laughs> new and pitching to this guy's Michael Jackson's manager and I you know and Dolly Parton's manager and I finish, and he turns to Candace, the woman who worked for him, and said, the thing is, it's going to have to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm just like, oh, oh, well, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Candace is, like, getting upset at me. Don't make jokes. Like, no, 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 David and his partner are the best. And Anyway. Sorry, I didn't mean to get off. Dolly Parton just oh, never back apologize. Page, so. That's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we do here. So, um, should we just get into the movie and then talk about Clinton Spillsbury, or yeah, should we talk yeah, about let's him? Do that. Okay. No, I think we want to talk about the movie because yeah. Cause All right, let's it, get there's not that, that much yeah. to talk about the movie. So. <laughs> yeah, true. Right. No, that's the thing. My first, I was like, I kind of have no notes on the movie. It's just like kind of nothing to say. I feel like they were trying. You know, this is this is the ripoff of Superman, like right. Superman, like. And I looked up this thing because I realized that that. And then I found, you know, that this People magazine article from when it was Superman. There was this list of all these stars who'd either said no, like uh, that it was. Clint Eastwood was too busy. Sylvester Stallone was too Italian. Robert right. Redford was too expensive. This is the cover of People Magazine. I'm reading it. Right. Uh, you know, and and then and then I read the article. James Caan turned it down. It's like they they went to stars for Superman, right. and then they cast Reeve, and it's this unknown, and it's this blockbuster, and so and they took it really seriously. That first half of Superman on Krypton is dead serious. Right. And right. Um, and it's actually dead serious till it gets to Metropolis. I mean, you know, Glenn Ford and, you know, is so, right. you know, adds so much gravitas to those scenes he's in. Anyway, so this is, Legend of the Lone Ranger is a ripoff of Superman, but doing everything wrong. So yes. they cast an unknown, but instead of getting an unknown actor, they just yeah, got a Juilliard trained actor like <laughs> yeah, Christopher no. Reeve. Yeah. Who, you know, and then they're, you can see the. I don't want to criticize the director too much, but you can just see that, like, oh, I'm I'm obsessed with one scene in this movie. I kept I like, wait, what's going on? Why is this scene bothering me? Is this the party scene in the town at night? Do you remember this scene? Right. Yes, the, it was the at, Day of the Dead stuff. Yeah, right. But it's this party, but it's dark and there's sand blowing through the whole thing. Well, that's the whole movie. Like, yeah, but yeah. it's like, yeah, but it's like. The fucking asshole was like cinematographer. Oh, this will make this will make it look cool. He's not thinking right. this is a party. You want people to be right. at a party, right. yeah. and it's incredibly moody and and that was like the whole movie. It's, it takes itself so deadly serious, yeah. Uh, yeah. That that there's no fun in it at all. And but you're not also emotionally connecting to this guy's story. It's like and all these things ripped off. I mean, the stagecoach. It's like. 
is very they're, they're taking sort of things from Stagecoach and right. Man Who Shot Liberty Valance and throwing them in there and then there's a Chinese passenger on the Stagecoach who doesn't say right. anything so that's them <laughs> saying oh we acknowledge there are Chinese people in the Old West like it's <laughs> like, like, like there were these moments in the movie where they were trying to make it a 70s movie there's a great quote I wrote it down that, that Grant General Grant says I gotta read it because I don't want to miss it um uh, okay, so this is a this to me was like a, a, a you know a seventies we're, we're being open minded kind of thing, but yeah. it ends up being like the most offensive line in the movie. <laughs> he says he's talking to General Grant or President Grant is talking to the, his other cowboy friends, and he says uh, somebody makes a joke about buffaloes. He says. Gentlemen, the plight of the buffalo and the American Indian are no laughing matter. And it's like that but, is but, the most offensive thing. Yeah. And then they and then do you remember and then they all fall silent every room and then he says, And now I'm going to take a brief nap. And, and they all turn it loose. And I was like, I couldn't tell. I was like, wait, is he Busting balls? Is he like making an ironic joke about no, the but it was but like, no, I don't not. think he was. I think it was no, like this, I think, this, right. no, this I think it was to be. And then at the end of the movie, again, like a very 70s thing, Michael Horace, who again was very concerned about the right. portrayal of Indians, you know, it is that he says, you know, I hope you will honor our treaties with my people. And General right. Grant says, he says we, we'll try. We'll we will try. try. Yeah, we'll try. Yeah, we'll try. <laughs> I'll Maybe, give you my word. Well, he had yeah. the best intentions. It's not his fault. <laughs> yeah. We right. completely wiped out the race. It's right. not yeah, that right. we did that. You know, but it was it was interesting because it was like, um, imagine the line, Michael Horst might have affected why that line was in there, but the right. screenwriters and directors are like caught between like the truth of what actually happened right. to Native Americans and not wanting their character to be a fucking asshole. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and so there's just all these things that are just like totally fucked up trying to make this serious movie, but then you're stuck with the Lone Ranger who, and they, they don't explain at all why he puts on that blue outfit. Um, <laughs> but that's the blue outfit. You have to have the blue that's outfit because outfit, of, yeah. of the toys. But right. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the pantheon of an Old West movie, that, that outfit makes no sense. Right. Why is he calling more attention to himself? And it's like a was, jumpsuit, right? I mean, it's, it's, I think it's yeah, one it's, piece, it's, isn't it? It looks, it looks like a jumpsuit. Yeah. You know, yeah. and th this was, and to me, the problem with the movie was, and I, there was some quote, I can't remember if it was from Lou Grade or one of the other producers, saying, I read a quote from him at the time saying, this is not a parody this is not right. a, you know, we, it's saying yeah. we're taking You're it You're going to believe serious. it when he puts on the mask. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. And, right. and when the first moment, when the William Tell Overture came in and he's riding real fast. An hour it, into the movie. It's an silly. Hour movie. An hour it's, into an hour and a half movie. It, it instantly <laughs> is like silly and goofy and stupid and right, fun. Right. And you're like, oh, okay. And there was the scene where he rescued Tonto from getting hung right. and they play it again. And that, that selection is so short. It's got to be yeah. a quick scene. So yeah. he runs in and they play the cool music. And, and I was like, this would have been fun if it had been the flash gordon let's just right. be silly right. let's get a rock band let's get journey yeah. to do the william tell overture version and let's do a silly fucking fun movie but and that and then that, the weird the, that merle haggard stuff is just well, like oh, it's phenomenal what and i read that's incredible a, 
I, I read the liner notes. This is the, the, the ultimate nerddom is the liner notes from the Legend of the Lone Ranger soundtrack. Where on CD. CD. David just lifted <laughs> into frame on CD. CD. Amazing. That Merle, well, you can't, that's not, you can't get that on iTunes. Merle, <laughs> Merle, uh, Merle didn't like coming in to record a song he hadn't written. Is what the liner notes say, and I'm like, maybe Merle didn't like recording these terrible, lazy rhymes. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. oh, it's, it's a, it's a, the, the song. Like, I don't understand. Like, they were trying to go full on western, but it was like bad. It wasn't. Right. It wasn't. Uh, yeah. um, those rhymes. I I can play some of it for you. If Please, you want. yes. So and, you want to say Merle Haggard narrates yeah. in rhyme. And I yeah. tried to find other movies that had rhyming narration. Well, you know, I can tell you one because it came to my watch. There is the other weird thing about this movie with all the things it rips off. It does have a lot of spaghetti western stuff in it. And there's right. a there's a, a Franco Nero movie called Kaoma that is right. that is all done with that <laughs> comically on the nose uh, singing Leonard right. Cohen ripoff in that case uh, wow. storytelling. But, th- but, but the only lyrics- two movies uh, I could come up with that their actual rhymes were, and the one I remembered vividly was American Me with Edward James almost, uh-huh. which oh, I saw really? in the theater. That's oh. the prison movie, yeah. Uh-huh. And then Chirac, the uh, Spike Lee movie. Yeah, that's good. So then I, because again, I was looking for anything besides the movie. Other movies ca- narrated by country singers. <laughs> so, of course, The Gospel Road with Johnny Cash. But he's actually in the movie walking around with, like, right. after Jesus performs a meal, he's like, and then Jesus said, I got to go to Galilee. <laughs> and then Moon Runners. You familiar with this movie, David? No. What's this movie? Narrated by Waylon Jennings. It's the Dukes of Hazard before it was oh, a TV yeah. show. Oh. It was a drive-in movie called Moon Runners, and it's oh, it's all there. Yeah. Well, and, and that's and, the Dukes of Hazard was. Yeah. Them, them Duke boys are gonna get exactly, and it's the same narration. Yeah. And yeah. David, before oh. you play this, did you guys see these these terrible lyrics were written by Michael Pitchford, who wrote the screenplay to Footloose, and yeah. and did write at least one song that completely kicks ass. Don't fight it. By Kenny Loggins oh, and yeah. Steve Perry. That's yeah, a that great song. Really yeah. Don't he, fight it. Yeah. Don't fight it. And he co-wrote you know, the, the, the Fame the, theme song. The the music is, is, I mean, it's John Barry who who did Dances with Wolves and it's very reminiscent yeah. of, of of the Dances with Wolves music. But again, yeah. it's not fun. Right. It's, no. It's right. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. And then you have to keep cutting in these sort of hard cuts into the William Tell Overture. <laughs> that are, <laughs> they don't really go yes. with the John Barry. This no. is the other thing I just want to say that a realization that I'd never had till I was getting ready to talk about this movie. So William Tell, the William Tell Overture, is William Tell is an opera, mm-hmm. and so the William Tell Overture is if you go to see this opera, the first thing you hear is the Lone <laughs> Ranger theme, wow. and I'm like, can you imagine going to your opera with your parents and they start playing right. the Lone Ranger theme? I'm like, that would just, I, I wouldn't be able to sit still. This is going to be the best opera ever. I know. Oh, yeah. You lose your mind. <laughs> you lose your mind. But yeah. it's like, there were people go to see an opera and still go to see the William Tell opera, wherever that's made. I don't, I hate opera. But like, you're going to, the first thing you hear is, bum, ba-da-dum, ba-da-dum. Yeah, like, you'd be like, wow. Oh, wow, yeah. This is great. Thank you, Mom. Thank how you for giving they, me culture. How did they blow this movie? Like, like, open with that. You know, start the movie with that. Let's go. Yeah. I'm, come running in on a horse. Yeah. Yeah. All right, wait. Let's, I don't know if you're okay. going to be able to hear it. I, 
Okay, let's see what we can hear. What is it that brings two friends together? <laughs> Our sins the waves the sand. And what is it that drives a creature of nature to reach out to the world of man? <laughs> Just such a creature was this great white horse, as wise and as wild as a runaway. And the moment John first laid eyes on him, he swore he'd ride him someday. Anyway, oh, there we go. That's, that's great. I want to say Silver, the horse, he looked sickly. In he some was of a little this. creepy. He was a little he creepy. He looked like albino and, and like yeah. unhealthy. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I didn't think I didn't think he was a I didn't I didn't think he was a, a like to be an attractive horse at all. It was <laughs> no. no, he had pink eyes and yeah, yeah although, although the scene where uh, the Lone Ranger is breaking Hilarious. Silver it, it was completely hilarious and really seemed like something from the documentary zoo. It was really <laughs> out of control. Well, well, you know, and what, what, yes, it, and it's all in slow motion because they obviously, it looked too silly otherwise, and they had right. to keep cutting back to Clinton's well, tight close-ups of, like, the horse's nose. And, but, but we haven't talked about yet the, you know, the big thing about his performance, which is that it's all overdubbed to James Keach went and did right. ADR's voice. But that scene in particular, and it's laid in so badly. Like, it sounds like James right. Keach is in a different room with the echo in the room. But that scene in particular, it just cracked me up thinking of James Keach standing in that room going, oh, oh. <laughs> Like for something like five minutes. You think the audio guy was like, "You're fucking a horse, James. You're fucking a horse." Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah, no, it was. uh, It it was. That the the other weird thing, though, in Spielberg's performance, that was a great quote that that Janet Maslin had in her review that the wrongheadedness of the movie. I'm going to read this quote too. One measure of the movie's wrong, reckless wrongheadedness is the fact that no one ever even persuaded Mr. Spilsbury to do something about his name. That's in the New York Times review <laughs> of, of the movie. But uh, he, um, it was not just that his acting's bad. He 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 always he often looked confused, like. Yeah, and, and yeah. there sure. was stuff that you could have edited yeah. out. Like I didn't understand. Like, w- w- like, like somebody would say something to him, and he'd have this sort of dead look on his face, and then react. And it was like, why didn't they trim out the dead look? Why just do the reaction? Like, what? Like, I couldn't figure that out. Like with this, with this, um, that's that was his called, process. Yeah. yeah, it's called the Spillsbury yeah, touch. What, <laughs> they, you know, uh. Oh God, it's bad. Christopher Lloyd, he's fun. I like seeing yeah. him. He's good, but why guy. doesn't he have the mustache? Yeah. You, Butch that would Cavendish. Be, that been one great. thing you know about him is he's a big black I mustache. I want some nerd to to do like a cut of him doing the train yeah. model in this movie and the train yeah. model in Back to the Future Three. Like he's got oh, yeah. a train oh, model. This hey. guy's got two oh, yes. two train model scenes in his pantheon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Set in the, the old, old west. west. It's amazing. It's like, <laughs> yeah. wait, wait, did the did Bob Gale, you know. did Bob Zemeckis say, you know, I really liked yeah. in Legend of the Lone Ranger when you were playing with the trains. <laughs> you know he did. You know he did. I want, I'm going to do that here because it works so well. In so that we, we should explain a little bit. So <laughs> the Lone Ranger, he starts out, he's John Reed. We see his mom get friggin' totally massacred. <laughs> shot in the face. His best buddy is the boy Tonto. And then... Uh, 
So Tonto says, all right, come, come hang out with me. So he goes to the uh, Indian reservation with Tonto, and he lives among them and learns their ways of the land and really loves it there. But then his brother Dan says, no, no, you got to go live in Detroit. He's like, ah, shit. But then we see him. He's grown up. He's a lawyer. He's on the stagecoach with uh, his sort of girlfriend. And then he goes and meets his brother, who is a Texas They're Ranger. Not his girlfriend, but they meet cute and, on the stagecoach. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, the, you know, the word is out that the Cavendish gang, who shot his mom and is doing all kinds of terrible stuff, they uh, they want to they create their own. They want to secede from the United States and create the new Republic of Texas. And uh, Cavendish is kind of like a cult leader, and he's played by Christopher Lloyd. So uh, what happens is the Cavendish gang, using a corrupt Texas Ranger, leads the good Texas Rangers into an ambush and slaughters all of them. And I want to say Cavendish's right-hand man is a, also a corrupt sheriff named Sheriff Wyatt, played by Matt Clark. You know who uh, Matt, Matt Clark's son is, don't you, Aaron? Jason no. Clark. Oh, oh my God! That's I'm sorry. No, that's, no, I don't know who Jason okay, Clark. That's, is. Jason Clark is the uh, producing partner of uh, Seth. One of the one of the executives uh, of the Orville that I show I work on, and uh, oh he, wow, he and produced, that was his he dad. That's Western movie, Million Ways to Die in the West. And, you know, honestly, hmm. Jason would be a great guest too, Mike, because he just produced every Van Damme movie, so yeah, much no, kind of direct to video it. action yeah. stuff, yeah. and yeah, has incredible stories of yeah. just shooting yeah. B movie action yeah, yeah. shit in the right. jungle yeah. in the 80s and 90s. It's great. Well, I was going to say, I always love Matt Clark. He's, he's always awesome. love when he's in a movie. He's good yeah. in this wow. movie, he's too. He's, he's fine. He's, he's good in this. And who's really good is David Hayward as Ranger Collins who is the guy who leads the other rangers to slaughter. I thought he was great. And not just because he had Butch Cavendish's mustache instead of yeah. Butch. But I thought he was really good. So that happens, and uh, then Tonto is like, oh, there's my old buddy, and he's been shot twice, but I can nurse him back to health. And he does that. And um, I got to say, Michael Horse, who plays Tonto, every interview with him is great. I don't know if you guys yeah, read yeah, like yeah. quotes from him and stuff. He's really funny, really good. The best line being ever being, I told them I wasn't interested. Finally, they told me they what they'd pay me, and I went, oh, Kimosabi. <laughs> that was the other thing about this movie, that like in being very serious, they had to somehow make the horse shit aspects of The Lone Ranger make sense. So they've got Michael Horse right. saying, so they got, they got The Lone Ranger, Michael Horse is teaching The Lone Ranger, before he's a Lone Ranger, how to shoot a gun, and he misses wildly, and all the all the Native American kids laugh at him, and so Michael Horse hands him a silver bullet and says, "Here, try this. It's more accurate." And so he shoots the target bullseye, and it's like a silver bullet's not going to make that big a difference <laughs> in where you're. Aiming. Well, Gene Siskel in his review says. Well, that's a new one. The, the Lone Ranger uses silver bullets because he's a bad he's shot. A bad shot. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> it makes no yeah. sense. But then we have to somehow make, and that's the other thing too, like the, the Kimosabe, trusted friend, you know, it doesn't actually, Kimosabe is a made up word that a 1930s right. radio writer made up. It's not an Indian language and they're trying to be so serious about Indian language. Kimosabe is not real, like, but they, they have to, you know, right. and they're constantly like in trying to invest these very paper thin 
uh, things with with gravitas. Right, and tanto in Spanish means fool, which is something that has stuck that right? through these years. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's awful. Fool. I didn't know that. That's awful. Well, it does bring to mind that great the great joke, uh, the Lone Ranger and Tonto. Do you remember this growing up? Lone Ranger and Tonto are out, and they get surrounded by 500 Native Americans who are, you know, on the war party. And uh, Lone Ranger says, <laughs> um, well, Tonto, looks like we're in for it now. And Tonto says, what do you mean we, white man? Isn't, he, isn't it pale face? Uh, I've, heard, I've heard of that. I've heard pale face. I've heard white man. I've heard honky. <laughs> They're all funny. <laughs> they all work. They all work. My father... Told it as honky. honky. <laughs> so, yeah. What do you mean, we honky? What do you mean, we honky? I think that's much better in 19... It's certainly in the it is, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The bride yeah, guy. Yeah. My old man, that was his spin. So, um... Oh, Matt, the, but Michael yeah, Horse Michael. was a successful artist. He was friends with Jay Silverheels, who played Tonto on the TV show, who lived in Brooklyn, in Flatbush, where Ben Reiser and I uh, grew up. And every time we drove by his house... Everybody would say, oh, there's Jay Silverheel's house. So, um, and then he said afterwards that people like Dennis Banks and Russell Means of the American Indian movement came up and said, you did a wonderful job. You didn't embarrass us. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, like, like they would have told him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're out of the, you you're out of the club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he became Deputy Hawk on Twin Peaks. And he was, was awesome. great on Twin Peaks. Yeah. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was great. Um, yeah. He really yeah. was. The, uh, the the brother is played by uh, Perry, uh, Matthew Perry's father. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, know. yeah. The, his uh, um, John Bennett Perry, which I wrote as John Benet Perry. Uh, and he's <laughs> and in that scene where he's telling him, "Why do you come out?" He's wearing that hat. This giant hat, this giant cowboy hat, you just can't take your eyes off. It's like he looks so silly. It looks like the, a Carol Burnett sketch. You know, it's like, uh, right. but he's trying to deliver this serious speech. And you cut back to Clinton Spillsbury, who's got this '70s haircut that's giant, like the giant. Oh, his hair is magnificent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did, didn't you think the big quote you always read that like the the cute press quote they always give was he got the part because he looked good in a mask he looking yeah and i gotta say he's a handsome guy but he doesn't yeah. look that great in the <laughs> wow. mask he, it looks silly it's a silly looking mask and it makes but it, it was silly. yeah it was like johnny bravo on the brady bunch he yes. fit the suit <laughs> that's right <laughs> that was a tragic tale, a show business you know, lesson that Clinton didn't the, learn. The seventies, and I mean, this was nineteen eighty, but it was still the tail end of the. Well, I guess the eighties. The haircut, yeah, haircuts the 70s, ruined yeah. period movies. That like the the idea yeah. that you had to somehow have a modern haircut in this movie, right? Because otherwise, teenagers wouldn't go see it. Like that was the thinking. That was <laughs> right, literally right. the thinking that if Clinton Spillsbury's haircut. Was it was either look like an old western or look like the real old west? Teenagers would not right. go see it. Turns out it's just a bad movie. They're not going to see it anyway. But uh, uh, but <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely. You can only imagine the how how many hours under the hair dryer that, requ oh that required yeah. that, that, that that blowout. There was one. There were also a couple of points in the movie where they were where they tried to be funny. 
that there are very few points, right. but there's this moment, and, and a right. really poorly picked moment, where they're being ambushed in the canyon, and right. and 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 all the sexist strangers are being massacred, like they're all getting shot. There's no way out. They're trapped. They're dying, and Clinton Spielberg picks up a gun and this old guy this old texas ranger says something like oh, yeah. hey kid you like being in a you like being a ranger you know while they're shooting and while all their friends are dying <laughs> right. you know it ain't the bullet that gets you it's the fall and he's like you know which is also i think stolen a little bit from butch cassidy you know you, you know that's not right. the so you're not gonna be able, it doesn't matter if you can swim the fall's gonna kill you like this weird like right. things stolen in this movie but it was like weird like weird comedy and then that guy gets shot and dies right <laughs> I know it wasn't like any time. the other joke was uh, that I noticed was on the train with uh, President Grant and all his right. cowboy pals he sells uh, he says uh, to General Custer move over Armstrong or I'll send you to Montana <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, well, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Is that like, yeah. uh, or I mean, well, I, because I had just taken seventh grade history, I knew that's where uh, Custer's last, last stand. Maybe he like. sent him there. So I was laughing. I was pissing in my pants. <laughs> There's a joke oh, like that in, uh, so I'm now going to go to a Woody Allen movie, a joke I laughed at Please. by myself because of my family's communist background. There's a, there's a, there's a line <laughs> in um, Crimes and Misdemeanors where he's talking about, uh, Woody Allen is talking to Mia Farrow about, about uh, Alan Alda's character. He says, I love him like a brother, David Greenglass. Now, David Greenglass, <laughs> it was Ethel Rosenberg's brother who turned them into the government and had them executed. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I laugh, I'm like, ha! And alone right. in the theater, because you know, it's not a good joke. Who's that aimed at? It's literally aimed at me you. and my, pa- my, yeah. you got my mother it. and yeah. father who's dead. You know, so there's like, yeah. but the Rosenbergs, the Rosenberg well, kids, too, Rosenberg yeah. kids aren't like that. Uncle, yeah. da- Uncle David, who turned yeah. in my mother, like, you know, <laughs> I just know Daniel from the movie. Daniel, it's a good movie. Uh, um, so. Where were we? Yeah, so Tonto, so the Lone Ranger then, like, becomes, like, kind of, like, tries to be, like, a vigilante. He, he hunts down uh, Collins, the rogue Texas, Texas Ranger, Ranger, and says, take me to Cavendish, and then somebody shoots Collins, sets up the Lone Ranger. Tonto takes the fall, and uh, they bring him to jail, and they're going to they're gonna string him up. And then nothing to me has ever been more boring or less exciting than the Lone Ranger freeing Tonto like no suspense <laughs> like nothing like you know you know he's gonna save Tonto he's gonna shoot the rope like in uh, the good the bad and the ugly and uh, just so boring I'm telling you they it's because there was no time for a cool set piece because right. the the music is so quick yeah. that William right. Tell Overture bit <laughs> also it only lasts say, the William Tell Overture in the movie it seems like a shitty orchestration of it because if you stay through the end credits, they play the old right. radio and TV intro with right. the original music. Yeah. And it's completely mind-blowing. It's, yeah, the, it's yeah. the total, like, your heart's pumping, your blood is racing. And this yeah. seems like some cheap, like, 
you know, discount album they got and just threw it. Was, it and then they cut it. It's like short, too. There's like major pieces of it's, it. That too. last half hour where he's the Lone Ranger it is longer than the f first hour of the movie, too. Like, it's like, yes. that, like yeah. when they break in, they have to go. So President Grant is kidnapped by Butch right. Cavendish through this train yeah. thing and he sets up the toy train right. set i'm sorry i'm doing your job because i i now realize no no, no that we're all we all do each other's <laughs> but, job we're but, communists here too anything whatever it takes to get so through it he yeah. set up the toy train model to show how he's gonna steal president grant's yeah. train car and uh they they steals president grant's train car and he's and he tells president grant i'm gonna hold you ransom until they give me most of Texas, and which is a terrible plan. Like that's the other thing too. Is like I don't think Congress is going to do that. I think they didn't like Grant. They'd probably let yeah. him die. So that so, yeah. but it was just a weird thing. But anyway, so Lone Ranger and Tonto find the the hideaway, the 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 secret fort of Butch Cavendish, and they're sneaking around there for like like it felt like forever. Like hiding in doorways. Yeah. Oh wait! Oh, be careful! Oh wait! Be careful! Oh wait! What to stop? And it went on forever <laughs> and was not suspenseful. They looked like Barbie dolls being moved through a. You know, it was it was right. Gabriel action. It was really boring. Yeah. So boring. There's only yeah. one satisfying thing to, to watch in a movie like this to me, which is I did think some of the stunts looked painful. It is a yes. fun oh, thing I in a pre-CG yes. movie. There's a number of stunts where it really looks like people the eat shit. The big gunfight at the end. Yeah. yeah. Which you can barely see because of the dust and the sand, right. which is so right. stupid. Yeah. But those stunts were awesome. Those the guys, guys are falling off the horses. Through the air. They're falling off horses and almost getting trampled. And that was but those that was big fun. leaps where they're obviously launched off of a trampoline or something. Yeah. That was pretty goddamn they, great. When you're talking about how this movie was, you know, the, the 70s, 80s thing, like, oh, they had yeah. to have the hair. Then it was making me think about how awful the 2013 Lone Ranger is with Johnny I never Depp. saw that. Oh, my well, God. Well, that is one imagine. of those movies. That is one of those movies that. It was that period where they were using CG way too much, like yeah. way too much. Just like stop right. with all the CG, and and that's that's the equivalent of the '70s hair in that movie. It's just relentless CG. The right. movie I always remember, the one I, I did. You even see the A Team yeah. oh, movie, terrible. the Big Boy A Team? No. Just like, like you, we don't need to see some. A tank fly through the air in CG. No. It's just so, like no, CG just give blows. us dumb stunts. And I hate yes. when there's a just car wreck and the tire spins right into the camera and stuff. Yes, Go fuck <laughs> yeah, just give somebody us said it was right when uh, I think it was a review of Tomb Raider, the first Tomb Raider movie, that is like you felt right. like you're watching somebody else play a video game. That's why and, I said that. Oh, was that your review? That was actually my line that I yelled all constantly. No, I love, yeah, I you don't know it was, it was me, well but yeah. It's a great line. Yeah. I've used it a number of times <laughs> Thank you. without Thank you. attribution. Aaron will attest. I used to say, it's like watching somebody else but play a video game. That's I hate what, it. That's what, uh, um, you know, CG is like. It's like, there's no right. excitement. There's no... But, you know, it's funny. The stunt you're talking about, like, I think it was in that... that the, at the beginning of the movie, there's a stagecoach and a guy jumps on the right. horses to try right. and he ends up doing the stunt yeah. underneath the horses. And that, that stuntman was trying to recreate that stunt from the original stagecoach. And then he got mm -hmm. injured doing it, like seriously injured. but Like almost right, killed. Yeah. And, and then he recovered and then went and did the stunt in Raiders of the Lost Ark. The same thing under, under the, the truck. truck. Yeah. Same yeah. guy. It all yeah. like I gotta do this again. <laughs> like 
Yeah. But yeah. that's what made it cool yeah. watching it because it's like, guy. it's so fucking it's scary. Yeah. yeah. And you know, he got completely mangled and then got up, like dusted himself off, did the raise of the lost talk, and then was like joking right. about it in Entertainment Weekly decades, decades later. later. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, back to that narration, I, I realized that a lot of a lot of things in the narration, it's not it's not necessary narration. He's just telling you what you just saw. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's so I'm going to read my favorite one, yeah. which is what, after Tonto brings him back to life. Uh, they've just shown this the scene where he rescued him and he healed his wounds and he's there in a cave and and they've recognized each other and it's like they're old friends from when they were ch children but now they recognize each other and so now Merle Haggard's narration is and Tano recognized John Reed by the amulet he wore but John had once saved Tonto's life so this even up the score, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we've seen we've seen the movie, yeah. yeah no, yeah. we're we're watching, we're watching the movie. We saw this part of the movie that, and then so much of the narration is that, like this kind of weird. I also thought missed, it doesn't even the score. <laughs> this is sort of because Tonto brought the orphan John Reed. To live with his tribe, right. raise them. Right. They were like brothers. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, no he still owes Tonto quite well, a bit. I, yeah. I mean, also evened up the score. It's like, I don't think John's keeping track. I don't think John is saying, right. all right, well, you saved my <laughs> right. life, but remember that time I saved yours? No, it's like a weird, lazy lyric. Yeah. You know, they're just these weird... Completely, yeah. Um, I, I remember the, the stand-up comic, uh, Chip Pope, he used to have a great bit about the Dukes of Hazard being the most unnecessary voiceover <laughs> of all time like boy those duke boys are trapped now <laughs> like yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, we, and then we go we, da -da 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 -da, and go to the looks commercial like boss hog might get those duke boys <laughs> yes yeah. yeah and that and that is basically what this the is one i always remember would be like the the car would be like flying over a, a river or something and it would go wow wonder if they're gonna land on be safe <laughs> <laughs> and they come back. Of course, yeah. yeah of course, they just landed. Right. Yeah. No, they died in that in that part. <laughs> when you come back from the commercial. So yeah. I, okay, what a, this what is a stupid note. time. What a stupid <laughs> time. How did we watch? I, how did people how were did we spend our whole lives watching all this stuff over and over and over and over again? I know. <laughs> so that we could talk about it yeah. now. <laughs> Um, so I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I swear to God, right, like as the big brawl at the end starts, one bad guy says to another, let's get the shell out of here. <laughs> and I rewound God. it. I watched it three times because I swear it was not like in the Golden Turkey Awards where they say Bella Lugosi said, you know, Tor Johnson's as harmless as a kitchen. <laughs> you, you know what? Did, you, was it, did it seem like a wild line? Did it seem like a... a or did you see him say it on camera? Be, because there's he says another, it on camera. Yeah. Because there's another yeah. moment in when they in that final scene where they they ambush yeah. the gang, where yeah. they're all running out, and I noticed a wild line that was recorded clearly to try and add some humor. Where he goes, right. "Oh, before I get out there, I gotta pull my pants up." Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they must have been desperately Maybe it was. trying. To Let's get the shell out. But like. They talk yeah, about like gun I would, shells I or what the hell is he saying? Yeah. I don't know. I don't it's know. Weird. There's a weird thing too in this whole shootout at the end. You know, Butch Cassidy, Butch Cavendish's whole place is getting blown up. People were flying. You know, buildings are exploding, and Christopher Lloyd is just sort of wandering around, like looking up, very kind of yeah. plaintive, like very kind of 
uh, circumspect. Yeah. Like, what is, hmm, hmm. Yeah. Like, well, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, and I remember was he, I was seeing that in the movie the first time and being like, what? what's going on? Why isn't he, like, shooting somebody or, you know? Yeah. It's very weird. Is he having some thoughtful, yes. And, well, and then I given, thought, like, he knew his, his goose you was think cooked. So? Uh, I, I think actually, you're reading into it a little actually, bit. Actually, yeah. yeah. It, made, it made sense. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> you were in it. You were, the movie yeah. had succeeded. I was you in it. I was when in it. Just the mask out. Yeah. Why put it, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> yes. And he looked great in the mask. And you know what I really hated? I really hated that the end of the movie was uh, Jason Robards is, you know, thanks, Lone Ranger, thanks, Tonto, and... You know, who, who are you? I, I can't tell you who I am. Okay. And he, and he rides away. And the last line is Jason Robards goes, who is that masked man? Where I was like, no, yeah. first of all, I always heard it as was. Who right. was yeah, that right. man? It's kind of the character. And also, like, you didn't come up with any kind of clever way to, right. you just had him say it. Right. Like, right. you know, like in Superman, I remember seeing that as a kid when Superman, when Clark Kent runs to change the first time and the phone booth is, a small yes. half awesome. phone right. booth. It's, it's the modern was, phone I remember booth. the yeah. audience losing it. Like, yeah. we're all waiting to hear that line, and, and you just have someone just say it. Like, Well, you yeah. also, like, I, Superman, I was, oh, like, never, you says it in the comics, and he said it on radio, up, up, and away. He didn't say that in the movie, ever, because it makes no sense. Right. Because it would have looked stupid. stupid. But, he, yeah. but yeah. Lone Ranger's constantly saying, hi, Silver. Hi, oh, Silver. Yeah, right. Away. Yes. And that's for the radio. Away. That's for the radio. You don't need, right. you know, and it's like, who was that masked man? That's again the radio show reminding you, oh, he's masked. Like, because you forgot, because it's a radio right. show, that guy's right. wearing a mask. Like, <laughs> right. Well, and then, and then, David, of course, you talking about the Superman radio stuff. It reminds me of two of the greatest bits ever. I know we've talked about this in Seth rooms before. The look up in the sky. <laughs> it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It, whose joke was it? He said, what was that first guy so excited about? And then the other great one, just quickly, is Andy, Andy Kindler's bit that always killed me about the most bitter, angry, depressed, <laughs> shitty voiceover guy of all time is in the old Superman TV show. Look up at this guy's birth plane. It's Superman. It's the guy who goes, yes, it's Superman. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah, right. What did, yeah, who the yeah. fuck did you think it was? You fucking kids. Yeah, yeah fucking is. asshole again. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of remarkable watching like this, because this movie, if you can, you know, they, they they take an hour to get you to Superman. I, I'm. It's probably Superman the movie. It's probably close to an hour, I guess, till you see Superman. Yeah. But yeah. Superman the movie's two hours. This movie's an hour and a half. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's like a half an hour of the Lone Ranger, and you know, part of that time he's dressed up as a monk, you know, talking to, talking, <laughs> yeah, talking right. to, which I didn't it's get. A stolen I didn't understand scene. that. It's a stolen scene yeah. from the Mark of Zorro. It's literally, oh. clearly, they'd seen the Mark of Zorro. Great movie. One of my favorite movies, maybe my favorite movie, Tyrone Power, Linda Darnell. He's escaping from the guards. He runs into a church. He throws on this cloak, and the and the love interest is praying for a husband. And it's a great, funny little scene, but it's there's right. some jeopardy to it because he's hiding. And they literally just take that idea, take all the fun out of it, <laughs> put it in this movie, and it's his last conversation with the girl. Like... That is like, where's the fucking studio note for him to have the final moment with the girl? 
Like I, th- that was what I watching this movie. I'm like, oh yeah, she was she's just gone. gone. She just leaves knows, Jason yeah. Robarts and the president. It's like, right. where's the moment with Lone Ranger has to decide? I'm gonna, right. you know, I'm gonna go with Tano. I, <laughs> you know, right. Well, that may have been the Clinton Spillsbury influence, which we can talk right, about. Make, the, which I think it's time to dive deep. deep. Yes, it's, it's time. Yeah. About that. yeah. <laughs> yes, and also it may explain. So I want to say after this. Um, David, you don't, do you have to go no, anywhere? No, I'm I'm just joking. I just worry okay. about your audience because, being Because uh, I would like to do, I would like to keep you on for a bonus episode, not a okay. full episode. We're doing these mini okay. apps for the Patreon, where we talk about what else was playing in New York and L.A. the day the uh, Legend of the Lone Ranger oh, opened. Wow. So we'll just, it, we'll just, li- I just listed the titles and uh, we'll just oh, riff. Oh, excellent. So. If yeah, that's cool. cool with you, yeah. That is, uh, inv- this is a, a wonderful, wondrous thing invented by Ben Reiser. I got to give him all the credit for this for seventy <laughs> movies we saw this in. So okay, so Clinton Spilsbury, um, yeah, as we said, uh, dubbed by James Keach. I thought they did a pretty remarkable job of matching his lips totally with the with the with except the, with the voice. for like i said that that yeah, the, band uh, except uh, for the audio quality being just a, well no but just the audio quality just being a little off yes. we talked about it when we watched pretty yeah. maids all in a row too like it always oh, yeah. hits yeah. my ear and that's all i can hear is that yeah. dean roddenberry's yeah. pretty maids all in a row anyway, oh yes yeah. yeah oh you gotta no, listen to that episode that was yeah. a, that was a help that's on 70 movies that was our crossover oh, okay. yeah that was like yeah when uh the simpsons visited family guy <laughs> um so so Spillsbury he insisted the movie would be shot in sequence because he didn't know how to act. And then he became completely notorious for drinking, smoking, and fighting <laughs> and got into a bunch of bar brawls that were uh, highly publicized during the production. So Yeah, and, the, it, one of them punched a waitress in the face. <laughs> well yeah, yeah. I, I pulled the I pulled the actual descriptions from the That's newspaper. Hilarious. From the Santa Fe newspaper. <laughs> At the old Casablanca, a waitress said Spillsbury dumped a drink on a table. When the waitress told him to be more considerate, she said he smashed another glass on the table. When she started to tell him off, the actor allegedly hit her in the face. <laughs> God. Also, did that article have the detail that he jumped up and started banging on the I'm piano? Getting there. With wait, the wait, yeah, All right, okay. One. I like that too. I like that too. A few nights later, Spillsbury was. I want to hang out with Spillsbury. Well, Andy Wall did too. Uh, a few nights later, Spillsbury was at the forge, which was up uh, there. Witnesses said he was falling over, breaking glasses, pounding the bar, and yelling. And yelling. At one point, witnesses said, Spillsbury threw a drink across the room, <laughs> grabbed a microphone from a musician in a band, and banged on a piano while the band tried to play. <laughs> uh, uh, and play the William Tell <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> the shitty version from the movie. Um, play the man in, in the mask. I don't know what that is. It's the song from my movie. I'm a movie star. I'm sorry, God. Not to be confused with the man behind right. the mask by Alice right. Cooper from Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, which is not, a very good. Song. Not to be confused. Um, so Michael Horse said that one night he got in a fight. Some some guard called me at three in the morning to come get him. I said, "Whoa, that faithful companion stuff is only in the movies." <laughs> So now let's get to the interview. I like that magazine. the guard called him called Tonto. Yeah, called Tonto. <laughs> yeah. 
So Clinton Spilsbury is on the cover of Interview Magazine. Uh, he was interviewed by Andy Warhol himself for for you know Andy Warhol's interview, and um, so Andy said he was really good looking, long hair, six six fives, and a, and a face that's a cross between Warren Beatty and Clint Eastwood. Uh, Warhol said that before making the movie, he had been an art student married to a rich woman, and that they had a baby together. He went on to state that they did not spend much time together because he needed too much time with his own thoughts which Warhol thought was funny. <laughs> Spilsbury then said he had fallen in love with both Dennis Christopher and Bud Court. Can you imagine falling in love with Bud wait, Court? Wait, Spilsbury fell in love with Bud Court? Yes, that's what Andy Warhol said he told him, yes. Uh, he also said, Spilsbury said he had gotten picked up by Halston and woke up in bed with Halston. <laughs> And discussing the fights in Santa Fe, he said, people would come up and start beating up on me. That cowboy macho mentality is still really strong down there. So then in Andy Warhol's diaries, he wrote, he had a bottle of wine. He was really drunk and gave me his belt. Um, he told me his homosexual experiences, and it was nutty. He was telling me all this and blowing his whole image. I thought you were going to say blowing some, oh. blowing Andy Warhol. But. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks for lobbing that I'm softball. Sorry, I was like you said blowing. Yeah, blowing me. So, um, oh, here's a, a nugget. Bo and John Derrick wanted him for the lead in their Adam and Eve movie, but nobody would hire him after the Lone Ranger <laughs> bombed. What happened to the and Adam did and you see this? So they couldn't find anybody else for the Adam and Eve movie? Yeah, there was no other Adam. He looked he looked good in the fig leaf, much like the mask. So uh, LA Times in 1989 did like this amazing decade-end catch-up on all the kind of flash in the pans of the 80s. And it said Spilsbury later married and went to Europe where he modeled and did some TV commercials. After four years of marriage, his actress wife, Lisa Shore died from complications of diabetes. I did some soul searching after that and traveling. I decided to live life to the hilt. Now 38, he's been working as a freelance photographer and waiter, and then in quotes it says, even at a Subway sandwich place. He's recently signed with a commercial agent and is currently seeking theatrical representation. There's been some interest, he said, but not all that great. What? And, uh, yeah, he... Uh, was not spoken about the legend of the Lone Ranger since then. Yeah, it's funny because I was thinking also like Flash Gordon was the same thing. Like they got Sam Jones, who hadn't really done anything, right. uh, you know, uh, to to be the, you know, this lead and and uh, right. and I really do think again it was like the influence of Superman, which is we don't have to, we sure. don't have yeah. to pick. But these, they, where do they find these guys? And you know, and then what, you know, this movie ruin that guy's life i mean it seems to me right i mean i don't know maybe <laughs> they found them obviously at bars where halston hung out yeah so, he, you know. <laughs> it was all it all uh i mean it, it's it's such a also such a forgotten movie i mean it's so such a nothing movie it's oh yeah such a nothing yeah movie. i mean it, it is erased yeah. yeah no that really is it it's it's nothing yeah, yeah. and so um Aaron Lee has uh, disappeared again, but hopefully he'll come back for the bonus episode. Is there anything else uh, you want to talk about? No, I know. I, I, I totally enjoyed this conversation, though. I mean, I you know, it's you know, you have these you have these uh, 
experiences by yourself watching a movie that you, you don't I know yes. I've never had a conversation about this movie with anybody <laughs> like, like, nobody like, ever has except for I, us know, so and I feel now like, we've recorded yeah, it I feel for like we may yeah. have had the, the longest conversation about this movie ever that's ever in, in we may have had the lone conversation <laughs> the lone about <laughs> the legend of but the lone it, ranger you know it's yeah. such a you know I, I don't know I think it's like that starting back where I was starting talking about it is like I had such excitement really literally based on the poster yeah. just on the poster like oh my god right. it's gonna be so cool and you know I don't know. I bet you. I bet you. Clinton Spillsbury had a three a.m. drunk ass <laughs> conversation about it now and then. <laughs> I bet you there were a few I don't of those. I think it lasted an hour and a half, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably I'm not. I said this is the yeah, longest. Yeah, that's hard to make. No, because people started beating yeah. up on him, like you yeah, said good in the newspaper. Really yeah. yeah, he did. Uh, totally, yeah. uh, totally satisfying experience getting to sort of vent. Uh, Exercise my vent. Exercise <laughs> yes. my Legend of the Lone Ranger. Uh, Exorcise, yeah. yes. So, David, we ask, uh, we must have you back if you come back. Anytime. We want to talk about anytime. those TV movie hybrids that were foisted on the paying public. Great. And um, we ask our guests to sign off with our uh, slogan, which is crack or get off the pot. So, just say, you know, this is David Goodman. <laughs> this is it. Saying and just but put your own spin on it though. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> go. This, this is David Goodman. <laughs> Crack or get off the pot. Thank you so much. This is magnificent. All right, you guys want to take a uh, pee break and then come back? Uh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Two minutes. Bad, 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 bad,